from Edinburgh, Radio Napier News. Good afternoon, it's 4.15. I'm Kieran Foreman. And I'm Maylene Silva. You're listening to EN4 News. Here are the headlines. Poverty and deprivation blamed for sparking bonfire at night trouble that shocked the capital. How charities are helping those affected by the Edinburgh housing crisis. Protesters criticise Scottish government for cutting specialist care for newborn babies in Lanarkshire. But first, a roundup of today's news. Scottish Health Minister Michael Matheson has racked up nearly £11,000 in roaming costs whilst on holiday in Morocco. Matheson claimed he was using the device for constituency work but had not switched over to the Parliament's mobile contract. After a dispute with officials, the SNP frontbencher has agreed to pay £3,000 towards the bill, with the Scottish Government paying the rest. Police have dropped investigations into an alleged attack on a poppy seller outside Waverley Station during a pro-Palestinian rally. Army veteran Jim Henderson said he was assaulted when packing up his stall on Saturday. After reviewing CCTV footage, the police have decided to take no further action due to insufficient evidence. The owner of Scottish Daily Record and Sunday Mail, Reach PLC, has made 450 staff redundant, including 320 journalists and editorial staff at Titles across the UK. Tommy Hondros reports. The UK's largest commercial news publisher, Reach, has announced massive redundancies with 450 jobs set to be cut in a huge restructure. This will see the publisher merge print and digital teams in a drive towards what they call future audience-led publishing. Reach Chief Executive Jim Mullen told staff in a note that the company was changing the way we operate, the way we're structured and the way we're meeting the challenges facing the industry. Tommy Hondros, EN4 News, Edinburgh. Scottish Water is being criticised after it was revealed they paid three executives almost £3 million since 2021. The Scottish Liberal Democrats have said the SNP government is letting the agency off the hook following reports that showed 50 of Scotland's 89 bathing waters were deemed to contain unsafe levels of sewage. Labour say Home Secretary Suella Braverman should be sacked after she accused the Met Police of playing favourites when it comes to protests. Shadow Business Secretary Jonathan Reynolds claims Braverman is using the pro-Palestinian march's plan for Armistice Day for her own personal gain. Fundamentally, it's so obvious what is going on here. This is a person who is completely driven by their own agenda, their own ambition. We know that. But where is the Prime Minister in this? Do we believe the Prime Minister signed off that kind of inflammatory rhetoric? Well, he won't tell us. But why is he really too weak to sack his Home Secretary? The makers of Grand Theft Auto video game have confirmed that the trailer for the next edition of the franchise will be released next month. Its predecessor, GTA V, which was developed in Edinburgh by Rockstar Games, was released over a decade ago. The sixth version of the worldwide hit will be there to fir- will be the first to feature a female lead protagonist. And one of Britain's most successful pop groups of the noughties is set to make a comeback after over a decade away from the music industry. Girls Aloud, who scored 20 consecutive top 10 singles in the UK, including four number ones, are returning with a new album and tour. The girl band have already filmed the music video for their new single, a tribute to the late Sarah Harding, their former bandmate who died from cancer in 2021. The bonfire night riots in Edinburgh were sparked by deprivation in what is one of Scotland's poverty hotspots, according to a local councillor. Police Scotland are trying to identify around 50 youths who threw fireworks and petrol bombs at the officers in Nidri on Sunday. Sean Donald-Berry reports. Five days on from the chaos that turned Nidri into something resembling a war zone, a debate is raging over how to tackle antisocial behaviour. 
A number of Scottish councillors and MSPs across the political divide are calling for a ban on fireworks, while others have linked the issue to inequality and deprivation. Edinburgh councillor Stuart Dobbin of the SNP. Well, on the one hand, it's important to find a way to address, let's call them the perpetrators. It seems to me it's not just hooliganism. You've got to look at, well, where did it take place? It took place in Nidri. Last year, it took place in my own ward, in Fourth Ward. My guess would be that this sort of event is a kind of taking the, the top of a pressure cooker and letting some of the pressure out. And to me, that's going to be all about poverty, a lack of opportunity. Um, but not just poverty, it's, I guess, a sense they feel disenfranchised from the ability to affect any positive outcomes. That kind of outpouring is, you know, it's a sense of here's a bit of excitement we can get in our lives but fundamentally it's an expression of something I think much deeper. So I think undoubtedly the police are not particularly trusted in areas of high deprivation. So there is an antipathy to what extent in a situation like bonfire night people are going out to, if you like attack or overthrow the state versus just express anger and frustration. Eight police officers suffered minor injuries and incidents were reported across other parts of Scotland too. Law and order was the call from Shadow Cabinet Secretary for Justice, Russell Finlay. Such attacks on police officers and other emergency service workers are cowardly, reckless and dangerous. Police Scotland needs sufficient resources to tackle these thugs, but they also need to have confidence in a robust response from the justice system, which has been systematically weakened by the SNP government. Well, in Scotland, it's not just police officers and ambulance workers who feel the wrath of disorder on bonfire night. Dog owners and people suffering from PTSD alike are unsettled by the bangs. Someone with a perspective from both of these issues is our very own Lolita Bosco. I spoke to her in the newsroom. Well, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, I'm a refugee, and every time I hear a firework, in my mind automatically goes that it's an explosion and I do know that it's not the same but it just feels like it. I don't think they realize that there might be people like that. My dog is not the biggest fan of the fireworks. He trembles all the time. He shakes everywhere, everywhere throughout his body. I felt bad because I couldn't help him in any, any other way. I couldn't do anything. In First Minister's questions today, a question from Ash Regan about the wholesale ban of fireworks on our emergency posed to First Minister Hamza Youssef. And it's my understanding that uh, it's not within uh, our uh, competency, but we will seek to do more. Whatever we can do within legislation, we will seek uh, to do. That is why we have brought forward legislation uh, and regulation over the years. Of Despite debate hotting up, whether or not there'll be a law to fizzle out the bonfire night disorder is up in the air. Sean Donobarry, Ian 4 News. After the City of Edinburgh Council formally declared a housing emergency, what's being done to help in a city experiencing record levels of homelessness? EN4 News has been to see the frontline workers providing aid for those living on the streets of the capital. Alita Bosco reports. In Councillor Jane Meager's words, close to 5,000 households, including many children, will need to live in temporary accommodation this Christmas because of the shortage. This is why the work of charities is crucial at a time like this. One of the organisations helping those struggling to put food on the table is the Serenians Charity. Every Monday, Wednesday and Friday, the doors of the community club open for everyone who needs it. Ian for News spoke to Lisa Anderson, Serenians Pantry organiser. There's a real problem with housing in Edinburgh now. Some of it's been impacted by Airbnb and things like that. But for affordable housing for both families and individuals, it's very difficult. 
the council housing list is way behind to provide affordable housing for people and private rents are so expensive now. I mean, it's gone up so much in the last few years it's really difficult for people to be able to afford to get a house of their own in Edinburgh. Community lunches like these also help build a sense of community between different generations, says Anne, one of the lunch attendees. So when I came over here, this place, I have made so many lovely friends because it's a community and we all chat and have a meal and it really is, without this, I don't know, it's a pretty lonely sitting and watching telly. Who wants to sit and watch telly all day, don't we? Free lunches are not the only service that the charity provides, as Gail and Julia, kitchen volunteers, told us. We've had a hairdresser's come along, he's through there in the next room. So there's a lot of men and women yeah. went along and got themselves a haircut and a beard trim. And there's actually a couple of gentlemen that had a lengthy beard and long hair and we didn't recognise them, they came back through. But you can see how it's affected them, affected them for their own well-being. The sign of the times is the more prices for food and housing rise, more and more people will be in urgent need of support. You can also help by donating your clothes, books, or food supplies. Or, if you have some free time, you can also sign up for volunteering. For more information, visit the Foundation's Facebook page. This was Olita Bashko for Ian for News, Edinburgh. The Scottish government is being urged to rethink plans to downgrade a neonatal intensive care unit at a Lanarkshire hospital. There was a protest today at the Scottish Parliament, with the government being told to rethink its plans to cut care for newborn babies in Wishaw. Charlotte Foreman reports. Plans to downgrade the neonatal intensive care unit at University Hospital Wishaw were outlined in the Neonatal Intensive Care Options Appraisal Report by the Scottish Government, which was published in July this year. The plans to downgrade Wishaw Neonatal Unit in Lanarkshire were challenged in Parliament at the Scottish Labour Party debate on the 20th of September this year. Labour Health spokeswoman Dame Jackie Bally challenged the government over the proposals. Consistently the best performing neonatal unit in terms of staff coverage. So what I want to know is why are the Scottish government closing the unit with good levels of staffing which we know matters in securing good outcomes for babies. Neonatal staff, nursing staff in the sick kids tell me that they can barely cope Today, protesters took to Holyrood in Edinburgh to express their concerns over the plans. It's really important we're here because our son was born in Wishy eight weeks before he was due and spent five weeks getting really well looked after in the neonatal unit and the um, special care unit. He was born in the maternity unit in Wishaw in a real hurry, emergency C-section. There were three of the neonatal staff in the room when he was delivered. So within five minutes of him being born, he was in the care of the Wishy neonatal unit. If that unit wasn't there, there'd still be a maternity unit. Kids would still be born early, but it would then be ambulance, blue light to Glasgow. It's also just that reminder, isn't it, that it's not we're not just a story. This is this was a, a tiny human life that was born at the most vulnerable time. That we can remind them that there is actually stories behind stories behind the faces. They need to understand what an impact it will have. We also spoke to MSP Carol Mockan, who was at the protest today. What we are hoping is that we will persuade the government that Wishaw uh, neonatal unit should stay open. We have looked at the figures and we have looked at the structure that the government are proposing and it would mean that mothers from the central belt, from that area, 
would have to live quite far away. I spoke to one mum whose baby was actually in the unit for nine months. So as you can imagine, families living away from home, parents will be separated, other siblings will be separated. And we're quite concerned that that has not only an effect on the baby who's had to travel in an ambulance, but also on the family and the ongoing care for the baby and the family members. This downgrade would see multiple units that are currently carrying out specialist care to vulnerable babies taken from a level 3 to a level 2. The downgrade would result in newborn babies who require specialist care being transferred to one of the three specialist intensive care neonatal units across Scotland in Glasgow, Edinburgh and Aberdeen. These changes would impact areas other than Wishaw including Ninewells in Dundee and Victoria Hospital in Kirkcaldy. In Scotland, there are around 50,000 births a year and approximately 5,200 of these babies are admitted to neonatal care. And today's First First Minister's questions were dominated by the alleged deletion of WhatsApp messages that the Scottish Government are supposed to hand over to the UK Covid inquiry. This again caused tension between the party leaders with opposition accusing the Scottish Government of deliberately misleading Parliament. Joining us now is Chloe McDermott. So Chloe, what's the latest? The FMQs was focused on how the Scottish Government have been accused by the opposition of misleading the Parliament over WhatsApp messages sent during the pandemic that have since been wiped. This is after both First Minister and Deputy First Minister claimed they were only asked to submit WhatsApp group messages as recently as September However, the Scottish Government last night admitted that they were in fact asked as far back as nine months ago. So how exactly do we know this? Well, they were first asked about these messages in November of last year, again in February this year and once more in March, as the Scottish Government, Government's been forced to reveal a timetable for requests made by the Covid inquiry. And how have the Scottish Government actually been accused of misleading Parliament? In this case, the opposition parties have pointed out that statements made last week by both um, Hamza Yousaf and Deputy First Minister Shona Robinson they told Parliament that they were only requested to provide their WhatsApp messages in September. However, due to an official timeline released by the Scottish Government last night, this has been found to be untrue. In this sense, the SNP administration has been accused of intentionally misleading Parliament based on when exactly they knew about needing to hand over their messages to the inquiry. Thanks for joining us, Chloe. Thank you. You're listening to EN4 News, a reminder of today's top stories. Bonfire night attacks on police and emergency workers could see fireworks sales banned for individuals. The Scottish Government is being urged to follow charities assisting those affected by Edinburgh's housing crisis. And ahead of Armistice Day, Edinburgh prepares to honour those who made the ultimate sacrifice. In sport, it's a big night for Rangers and Aberdeen in the Europa League. And we'll tell you all about a competition for young classical musicians in Scotland. The country will fall silent for Remembrance Day this week. For the families of servicemen and women killed or injured in conflict, it's a time to remember loved ones who laid down their lives for king and country. From the Cenotaph in Edinburgh, Hugh Sloan reports. Saturday will signify the 104th anniversary of the original Armistice Day Remembrance. Edinburgh will join the rest of the United Kingdom on Saturday to honour the fallen in Armistice Day. 
there will be a one o'clock gunfire at Edinburgh Castle as local leaders and dignitaries gather in the city centre to commemorate Armistice Day, the agreement to end the fighting after the First World War. The gunfire will signify a national two-minute silence where people can remember and reflect those who lost their lives in wars past and present. I think it's important to still remember because a lot of these people in the past and still now currently are fighting, suffering and some of them have lost their lives for things today that we may take for granted and our freedom. I guess it's important to think of it from the point of view of individuals. I think um, our, the remembering of it is focused around people, um, which is something that we tend to forget about. Um, it's much more about when you look back, we learn about events and we learn about dates and times and numbers, but then the individual people can get forgotten, so maybe it's a good occasion to remember that on a smaller scale. Over a 100 years on since the first armistice, we are reminded of all those who have lost their lives to war, as well as the fighting that rages on in the Middle East and continental Europe. They shall grow not old as we that are left grow old. Age shall not weary them, nor the years condemn. At the going down of the sun and in the morning we will remember them. Hugh Sloan, EN4 News. It's the time of the year where men are asked to turn hipster by growing a moustache for the charity Movember. The quirky fundraiser has been raising awareness of men's prostate and testicular cancer as well as mental health for 20 years. If you fancy looking like Tom Selleck or even Freddie Mercury, now is your chance. Ian 4 News reporter Miles Campbell, who could do with a shave, reports. Movember is back and people will find any means to raise money for this great cause. I got to catch up with one very active member, Jack Sheriff, the former student ambassador for the Edinburgh University, to see what he got up to to run up some funds for this organisation. Um, but then to kind of run the campaign and to actually raise money, uh, that was quite a daunting task because it's just me. Then I leaned on the support of my rugby club, which is the Edinburgh Engineers Rugby, and kind of used that as a platform to get things off the ground. So the main way of doing that was getting everyone in my team involved, getting them signed up the fundraising page. Thankfully, they all got on board with, they all got involved. And we started hosting fundraising events um, as the club. Then the week after that, we did a fun run. They just fancy dress, a couple of laps on the meadows. Then I found that was a really good way to get other sports teams involved. And then off the back of that, like cycling, they did like 100 laps of Arthur's seat. Tennis did a 24-hour tennis match where all the members had come at different time slots. Jack then tells us the three main things that Movember are trying to support. The first one is raising awareness for men's mental health. Obviously, it's a huge part of everyone's lives, whether or not it's direct or indirect. And the second one is raising awareness for testicular cancer. It's the most common cancer in young men. And the third one is looking into cures for prostate cancer. As well as working extremely hard with his team, Jack set himself some personal goals. So I undertook the personal challenge of running a marathon every weekend, which everyone got behind. The feeling of finishing that last marathon. Relief, the achievement, the, like the cause as well. It was a very, very good experience. An incredible effort from Jack, someone who holds men's mental health very close to his heart. Miles Campbell, Ian for News. I think I would certainly need more than a month to grow a moustache. Good luck to all of you taking part in November this year. 
There's a big night of European football ahead. Time for the latest sports news. And here's the clean-shaven and clean-cut Callum McCauley. <laughs> I'm always smooth, Kieran. Rangers host Sparta Prague in what will be a tightly contested game in the Europa League this evening. The last time the sides met, it finished 0-0. Philip Clement gets to experience the famous Ibrox atmosphere on European nights for the first time after Sunday's win at Hampden Park, where they cruised past Hearts. Confidence is high. A win for either side will keep their hopes of qualification firmly alive, with sides equal on four points in Group C. Rangers are without John Souter and Nicholas Raskin due to injury. Clement has demanded 100% effort from his players. I want to see also how players react uh, with the first uh, deception they have, or the first disappointment, or the first time that they played a really good game, and the next game they don't start. Aberdeen are in Greece this evening to see if they can get their first Europa Conference League win of the season. They play Paok Salonika, who are top of the group after winning their first three games. Aberdeen are eager to recover from their heartbreak last time at Petodre when the Greeks came from behind to score the winner in the 96th minute. In the Champions League, the pressure on Eric Ten Hag has increased yet further with his Manchester United side now bottom of the group with just one win from four. United lost 4-3 to Copenhagen in the Danish capital Ten Hag's side had been 2-0 in front A Marcus Rashford red card turned the match on its head Elsewhere, Arsenal topped their group with 9 points after beating Sevilla 2-0 at the Emirates And staying in London, West Ham welcomed Greek side Olympiakos at the London Stadium in the Europa League tonight David Moyes' men will be looking to put their defeat in Greece in the previous fixture behind them Moy spoke in the quality of the teams in Group A. I want to make sure that we get the wins, we qualify, and if we can do that, uh, that will see us in Europe again after Christmas for for the third year in a row. Cricket in the ICC Men's World Cup, New Zealand sealed a five-wicket win over Sri Lanka. The result puts New Zealand one step closer to the semi-finals, where they will face tournament favourites India. In bowls, Jamie Walker beat Jason Banks in the Scottish International Open semi-finals this morning. In the other semi-final, Stuart Anderson defeated Darren Burnett to set up the final that is taking place right now in Livingston. And that's tonight's sport. Thank you, Callum. BBC Radio Scotland have just announced a new competition for young classical musicians in Scotland. The competition, which opened on the 5th of November and runs until the 17th of December, will be the first of its kind for the Scottish radio station. Holly Southwick reports. The competition, which is in association with the Royal Conservatory of Scotland, will be open to classical musicians between 18 and 24 years old. The Young Classical Musician Competition is part of BBC Radio Scotland's commitment to promoting and supporting Scotland's young musical talent. Gareth Hyde's BBC Scotland's commissioning editor released a statement saying, BBC Radio Scotland is playing a pivotal role in supporting young emerging musical talent through each of our music competitions. With the announcement of the Young Classical Musician, we complete our annual commitment to surfacing and shining a light on young performers and bringing audiences the bright stars of the future. It was announced by broadcaster and musician Jamie McDougall on Sunday, 5th of November. Speaking on the competition, he said... I think it's terrific for the the young uh, classical musicians who are based here in Scotland to have uh, something closer to home. I think it's it's about time we had something for the, the classical musician in Scotland. This is for the, the, the musician that is just coming to the stage where they are, you know, ready for the profession. You know, they've reached that level of attainment that they could quite easily or could see them moving into the profession. And I think it's just a very important springboard. When you think that 
uh, the people who would get into the final would have the opportunity to do a concerto with the symphony orchestra. You know, live, it's going to be broadcast. It's a, it's, it's a big event, and that means not only the judges and the, the people who are watching it, but the profession themselves will be keeping an eye on, you know, who wins this competition. Uh, I think it's going to be a terrific springboard. A competition like this... Um, I think it's very, very important. It's very necessary because it really puts classical music front and foremost in people's mind. Yes, we have this wonderful tradition of traditional music in Scotland, but we have produced and continue to produce internationally renowned and acclaimed classical artists. And that is something that we should really be very proud of and 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 celebrate. I think it's going to be a, a very exciting prospect and I'm the final is to take place in June next year at the City Halls in Glasgow. The competition coincides with BBC Radio Scotland's long-running and successful Young Traditional Musician of the Year, BBC Introducing Scottish Act of the Year and its Young Jazz Musician of the Year. Holly Southwick, Ian Verneus, Edinburgh. Here is a reminder of the day's headlines. The sale of fireworks could be banned after violence towards police officers during bonfire night across Scotland. Charities are acting to help those affected due to the recently declared housing crisis by Edinburgh Council. And protesters are calling for the Scottish government to reverse a decision to cut specialist care for newborn babies in Lanarkshire. And that's all from us at EN4 News. From us and the rest of the team, have a great night. Live from Edinburgh, Radio Napier, News.